0: This is iFanboy Booksplode, Avengers West Coast Epic Collection, How the West Was Won. (laughs) Boy, booksplode! Avengers West Coast Epic Collection: How the West Was Won. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. And I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Hey, hockey! And this is hey, how you doing, sport? And this is the uh, booksplode show, which was unlocked by our patrons over at Patreon.com/Ifanboy. They unlocked a bi monthly uh, trade paperback or collection review show. And this month we're talking about the West Coast Avengers with their 500-page epic collection. Which I don't know that we knew we were getting into when we said we were going to do it. I I can specifically tell you that I was about
1: to say, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to have time to read this whole thing. Why don't we choose a different one? And then you on the show went, we're going to read this. And I was like, I guess I'm in. (laughs) Sometimes you have to do that. Forge yourself. No, no, and, and in retrospect, I am glad you did that. Although... It was a marathon reading session. We've read big books before, but this dwarfed it. Not
0: necessarily in terms of pages, because we've done pages this big, but there's a lot of words. Well, this is this is old 80s-style comics, so every page was like three modern pages. So this was really like a 1,500-page book. Yeah. Like, I know Wonder Man's origin back to front now, because it
1: has explained to me a lot.
0: So we're going to be talking about this collection. Obviously, there'll be some spoilers for this uh, like 30-year-old book, so... You don't get to complain because it's old. Avengers West Coast Epic Collection, How the West Was Won, Volume 1, takes place from 1984 to 1986 and includes West Coast Avengers miniseries 1 through 4, Iron Man Annual 7, Avengers 250, West Coast Avengers number 1 through 7, Vision and Scarlet Witch number 1 through 2, and Wonder Man number 1. It's a lot of comics. And what's interesting about this, and it says it in the beginning somewhere. Oh, it says... Epic collections feature the best characters and stories from Marvel's vast history. Volumes are not published in chronological order. So start your collection today with this edition. So basically, it's not like you buy this and you get like the first 25 issues of Avengers West Coast. You get the story of the beginning of the West Coast Avengers told through various series. And sometimes you just get like a scene from a book. Like remember the, one, the, one, the Avengers 250 book was just like three pages of the book. The ones that had to deal with this team and then they cut to the next book. So it was very... Kind Of bizarre way to handle it, although it made sense. I thought it actually worked really well.
1: And at first, I thought that's weird, we're going to an Avengers book. And like, but there are bits where there were crossovers basically. So yes. you've got the Avengers are crossing over with Vision Scarlet Witch's miniseries, which yep.
0: would annoy the shit out of me at the time. But can you imagine that? Where you've got like a however many issues it, r- it ran for, but the first two was a West Coast Avengers story, and then it went off and did something else. People would flip that's wow. weird. It's very weird. That's
1: such a strange thing. However, in this format of this collection, worked mm-hmm. seamlessly, I thought. And I was actually pleased to be able to get an overview of it in that way. I thought that, you know, we get to read it the way it was intended. And and also, because we're who we are, you know, you're, you're reading it sort of
0: from a, what were they thinking here perspective. <laughs> right. For sure. And so, we should, you know, talk a little bit about how, as men of a certain age, this is right in our wheelhouse. I think, you know, we are... Yeah, like eight to eight to ten years old at this point. I'm definitely reading comics here. Were you reading these comics as they came out? I was, but not religiously. Like, I was a religious Avengers reader. Right at eight. Yes, and I definitely because I love Captain America. <laughs> but I definitely, I definitely had some of the West Coast Avengers issues, and I definitely read some of them. But I wasn't like a. I was eight years old. I wasn't going to the comic store every week. Sure. It wasn't until junior high school we started doing that.
1: Yeah. I definitely had the issues. I started reading when I was about eleven. So that would have been 88. I hadn't read these at the time. But I did start reading West Coast Avengers pretty soon after that. And then pretty soon after that, it changed to Avengers West Coast because John Byrne had taken over. But I will say that a lot of those issues referred to things that had happened in these ones, even though they were further along. I want to say 30, 40 issues or something. so.
0: In my head, when I think of it, I think of John Byrne. Yeah, but he came along later to clean up. Right, but I think that's when I probably did most of my – west coast right. avengers reading so when we said we we're going to do this i guess in my head i thought it was going to be a john byrne thing and it's, it's not but it, the, you know the creators nope. are no slouches you get roger stern bob harris and steve englehart david mickelini bob hall luke McDonnell, al milgram richard howell carrie Gamble, joe sinnet joe Sinnott, inks. A lot, you know you got vince coletta's on inks in here and yep. you got a lot of big name people from marvel's past so it's not there's no slouching in the art department, I just, in my head, I always picture the West Coast event, And you see Byrne's little head drawings in the corner on the cover. And we talked a little bit about this on our regular Pick the Week show last week about how Byrne was just sort of head and shoulders above a lot of the guys at the time. Yeah, and you could even see that on the covers. Like just sure. when you look between the heads in the corner and then the drawings on the cover, you're like, "Oh, Byrne was working on another level than the rest of the people doing these books." Yeah, just smooth and clean and and modern in, in the '80s and very modern.
1: Oh yeah, totally. And and like it's still still pretty much holds up yeah one of the things that's interesting about the art is that the stuff that stuck out to me the most by the way was the Milgram Senate stuff mm-hmm. Milgram would do the breakdowns which is laying out and Senate would do the finishes normally that means inks but I think in this case that means a I little think more I think than it's
0: that. rough it's rough breakdowns too
1: yeah now yeah. now Senate is probably largely known as, as one of the main Kirby inkers yeah and you can see it uh, there's one place where there was Kirby dots on there and what I found myself wondering and I still don't really have an answer for like were they was that a a good thing back then, or were they like old war horses were given some work
0: to do? Yeah. I think that's the way it was. Well, if you and think about it, it's only twenty years into Marvel, really. Right. Yeah. If they were in their twenties or thirties, there are their forties and fifties. That's still yeah. a lot of people we know now and love and yeah, comics okay, now absolutely. are in their forties and fifties. So it's really it's no different than Grant Morrison now doing a book as opposed to right but years I ago.
1: guess what I'm wondering is like were they super were they like were people excited to see that on there or or not I, I don't that's what I don't let well, me go
0: to limb and tell you not only because I I'm, think yes. the, the relationship between readers and the creators is different now than it was then eight- year- old kid's not gonna know Joe Sinnott. no
1: but there were there were superstars I mean John Byrne is one Chris right Laring but I'm, on. what I'm
0: saying is the, his, the history of the medium you're not gonna have a 10 year old's not gonna get excited about Jack Kirby's inker being on the book. Yeah. You know, and I guess that's was reading for the most part.
1: But I don't I don't know actually what they make above the audience was at that point in terms of percentages. We're
0: just we're just speculating. If you were a kid, if you, or read these books at the time and and unlike us remember, mm-hmm. maybe you can tell us in the comments if you recall getting excited about Joe Sin and I mean, I guarantee there are people who
1: were. But I don't I wonder I'm I'm guessing they didn't think about that like that in the Marvel office like just give them this book. Sure. And they can, can do it and they can be fast and- there is a Sinkevich cover on a mm-hmm. book that completely did not deserve it in this one. <laughs> the the very last issue is the Wonder Man yeah. sort of one shot and the Sienkiewicz cover is beautiful. Yeah. Like it stood out like, head and shoulders, you just said that, but like it stood out head and shoulders above every other piece of artwork in the book. I was like, wow, look at that. Maybe this book will be great. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't think I the the disliked
0: way. it. So, what do you remember? So, you know, the Avengers West Coast, as in their name, is the West Coast branch of the Avengers. It it's yeah. begun here. Division, who is the chairman of the Avengers in, in New York, says to Hawkeye, go start a team in Los Angeles. And uh, Hawkeye does so. I, I do not remember, basically, any of these main stories, although some of them seemed very familiar. Even the makeup of the team, I was like, wait, aren't there other people on this? Like, it was, I was really searching my brain as I was reading this to remember what I remember and what I didn't remember. But obviously the Hawkeye, Tiger, Wonder Man, Mockingbird, Iron Man, core. Is what I remember from West Coast Avengers. One of the first books that I ever like saved up my money to buy a
1: back issue of mm-hmm. was the first issue of the miniseries.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The West Coast Avengers number one from 1984. Yeah. And I had it, you know, like in a bag with a backboard and everything on it. The one with uh, Hawkeye yelling Avengers assembles all the heads around him. Mm-hmm. And I read that a lot. I never yeah. read any of the issues that came after it because I couldn't get them. <laughs> so in that sense, like I, I got to finish that story, which I kind of liked. Yeah. The one where, uh, you know, Tiger comes in and, and she's, she's not sure if she wants to go over there and then the shroud breaks in. Wait a minute. And find...
0: There's some characters in here that are not sure about themselves. <laughs> yeah.
1: That, about what I didn't know that that would never, ever be resolved. <laughs> you know, what was interesting though, is that I, I had always, in my mind, I always thought that this was Clint Barton kind of trying to. Prove himself. It wasn't sure if he had the stuff. But yeah. What I was surprised about through the whole thing was that for the most part, he was actually pretty cocksure about what he was doing, and very confident. But then near the end, he was also like, we started to see his word balloon, his thought
0: balloons, and he was like, oh, well, I if I can do this right?" I was like, "No, you're the only guy who wasn't doing that." I mean, there's a lot to talk about. We're, we're not going to go through this like chronologically or anything because there's a lot of storylines. But we're just going to talk about themes and specific moments or stories we, we really liked or whatever but we're not going to go through every storyline i think we can also talk about each of the characters like mm-hmm. the basic characters kind of had an arc that i think was kind of interesting i mean the overall story is that hawkeye brings this team to the west coast they add a couple of members along the way and and they're struggling to establish themselves as a presence on the coast it's, it's just so funny that it's sort of the idea in the story is that superheroes exist in new york And almost nowhere else. And so Mm -hmm. the idea of having to establish themselves as Los Angeles-based heroes was like a big challenge in this story. To be taken seriously and to not fuck up. My favorite thing in the whole (laughs) 497 pages might be that there was a hard and fast rule about how many Avengers there could be on the team. (laughs) And it was six. And they had five. And the whole time was who was going to be the sixth because that is the roster number. They couldn't have seven. Like if they had seven really good people, like if if uh, Captain America wanted to go over to California, be like, sorry, Cap, we have six. The best payoff for that was the fact that the thing got a flat tire outside of their <laughs> mansion and
1: knocked on the door. It just happened to be that one. And the whole time, Clint Clint is constantly going, you're going to join the team. No, I'm not. <laughs> it just, that never changed. They did it over and over and over
0: again, and Clint, Clint's like the worst car salesman ever. Yeah, he's bad. Oh, he, so he thinks the car sells itself. Mm-hmm. But you know, people like to make fun of the Justice League's bureaucracy and the meetings and the minutes, and but like that was a really funny recurring, and I don't think it's a gag. I just a recurring bit that they had to have six members because that was the Avengers rule, which is hilarious because over the years the Avengers have been gigantic. Everyone, I mean, uh, Jason Aaron's clearly not aware of this. rule. Yeah. it's like seven now couple of things you've got. So Hawkeye and Mockingbird are just married. So you've got the newlyweds on the team. Mockingbird is constantly feeling like because she has no superpowers, she's not as worthy as the rest of them. Tigra, who's a character I don't think I ever knew anything about outside of these books. And so this actually helped me understand her character a lot more. Uh She's newly got cat powers and she feels completely inadequate for reasons I don't understand. With Tigra, they later sort of codify it in that she her the cat is taking over for the human and she's right, not. Right, but sure she also she she's also just feels like I'm not worthy of being on this team. Because that, that's right. what they, they decided they were gonna do with this book. Wonder Man is out in LA doing stunt work, trying to be an actor, and, and he had he had died, and we'll, we'll spend a lot of time with Man I think. He had died, sure. had this crippling fear of death. And what's funny is He's appeared in lately in uh, you know modern Avengers books, and he's kind of he's the pacifist character now. And he's like, right. I remember talking about it with you and being like, all right, this is getting annoying, but yes. I guess he's always been annoying. And then you have various Iron Men. It starts off as with Rhodey in the armor because this was right after Secret Wars, and Rhodey was the, the Iron Man back then in the classic best ever Iron Man suit in the very beginning of this.
1: Yes. Book. And then switching to a not best ever Iron Man suit.
0: No, then it abruptly changes to Tony Stark without any warning wearing the silver and red suit.
1: Well, I think there was time in between there. So that's – Sure. There's no warning in this book, but I think – but here's the thing. That my, that one, those that coloring, that's my first Iron Man suit. Like I had seen right. the one before that and I know that that's the classic one because I had the Secret Wars toy and that's what it was. But – the first Iron Man book I ever bought, he was in that suit. But the way they drew it in these issues, the head had the flared out, like Prince. Like a, it was like guy. almost like a s- triangle. Awful. Yeah. And the other thing I learned is, is in this, like everybody thought it was Stark in the suit until it was Stark in the suit, and then they think it didn't think it was Stark in the suit, but they never took their helmet off at all. <laughs> yeah. And that never happens now. No. Now the helmet's always off. There's a
0: great scene where he gets like stabbed through the eye holes. And he's like, "Oh, I need stitches, but I can't take off my my helmet in front of my teammates. Yeah. They're just like, and they like, they have also had barbecues and pool parties together several times that Iron <laughs> Man was at in his armor. So think about that. Yeah, yeah. The most interesting thing about Iron Man is that this is, you know, yeah. very pre two thousand eight, and I don't know if people who came on to, to read comics later realized that Iron Man was like, was like a low B level character." I mean, he had his own book. Yeah, I like mid B. I mean, he was like one of the powerful guys. He was a B, it. but he was not an A list character. No, uh, he's not. You know, he's not the main character of these stories. He's not even. Not at all. I would put him like fourth on the call sheet here, below Hawkeye, Wonder Woman, Tigra. He, he doesn't
1: have. He doesn't have the 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 swagger. It's not yeah. like it's not Robert Downey Jr. at all.
0: No. And so that was really interesting to go back and read that, re-enter that reality yeah. in which Iron Man is an A-list character and the star of the book. He's he is very much in the background. Yep. Who else is on the team here? Clint, Hawkeye, Mockingbird, uh, Tigra, and Scarlet, Wonder Woman aren't on the team, but they're in it a lot, and they end up on the team later. The Shroud for a while they thought would be a member, and then you have that new character whose name I'm forgetting right now. Firebird. Firebird, who ends up joining the team, right? I think. I think she does. Later, after this book. And then you have Hank Pym as their Jarvis, who cuz he's done with superheroing and he doesn't want to hear about it or talk about it. I th- and I think that this follows the events of
1: his like psychological breakdown yes. after Yellowjacket when he, where he did the things that we're still talking about today.
0: Yeah, and he it's interesting cuz he's in the founding Avenger along with Tony, but he doesn't want to be on the team so they get to flout the rules by having him be like their home base person but not actually on the team so he doesn't count as their sixth member that's pretty much your main Avengers characters in the book yeah you see them other Avengers when they cross over like Star Fox and Captain Marvel and people like that there's a point that Rhodey reveals himself and so he gets to go to the barbecue with his his helmet off that happens that's on page 147 of your digital reader took a long time to get there though Hercules shows up a bit I mean this is really your classic 80s Avengers which was really a strong era for the Avengers. Wasp shows up a bit. Oh yeah, yeah. And then Stark was in a little bit of
1: the Robert Downey Jr. was that Stark was uneasy around Pym because after they broke up, he went out with with uh, Jan for a while.
0: Right, which is happening now in the books again. He's dating he's dating Jan yep, again.
1: Yep. It all ha- comes long histories here. Time's a flat circle. It's funny is that like, well, I said I was fr- I was in a different place with Clint Barton than I thought it was. It was still cl- I was like this is Clint
0: Barton. Well, this is the Clint Barton. I think you should talk a bit about that because you you mentioned a lot on the show that yeah. the current sort of sad sack Clint Barton isn't the Clint Barton we grew up with and he's just not, that's just not him. And so this is, this is much more the classic Clint Barton.
1: Yeah, and I think that there'd be a way to modernize this character, but he doesn't seem to have a lot of this. There's a swagger to him that is sort of fake, but sort of not. It's almost like he just has too much confidence, mm-hmm. but that's what lets him be successful in a world where he doesn't have powers and he only has, you know, bow and arrow. Arrows, yeah. And he's fun. I guess the one thing that God, the thing I remember and I loved so much about old comics, and again, this would not work today. Everybody had nicknames. Everybody was throwing things around, and I made a joke earlier, like so. Basically, it starts off that Hawkeye and Mockingbird are calling each other Hawk and Mock, and then later she starts to call him Hockey, and then by the end he's Hockey Poo, and it just goes on. But like, not professional, not professional. No, but Clint Barton had nicknames for everybody, and I always remember that. Like when somebody would grow giant, be like, they'd say "Tall Socks." Hey, Tall Socks. You know, like uh, there was tons of that, and I always remembered loving it. I feel like that's left over from the Stan Lee days. Sure, it still lingered here a little bit. That really was the Marvel flavor that I remember that the DC Comics didn't have when I was younger.
0: Wait, but another aspect of Hawkeye that is in here a lot that I forgot, I'd completely forgotten about, which is not ever addressed anymore, is the fact that he's basically deaf. Yeah, and I had forgotten about that, too. Well, I don't remember how that was resolved. or If it was, they just sort of swept it under the rug. But it's a constant thing that comes up in these books that, again, this is how the books are written. They constantly reintroduce yeah. the characters. They remind you who they are, their powers and their faults and their strengths. And so you're constantly reminded that he's deaf. And I'm like, oh, right. He was deaf. I didn't remember that
1: at all. Yeah. The only reason I know it now is because – it was a long time ago now. But Jim McCann did a Hawkeye and Mockingbird series. Right. He brought it back because of these books back to the four, and then wasn't really talked about that much i know in the old man hawkeye series we just read like he had the hearing aids and then he was also going blind at the same time i think i just assumed that's because he was old you
0: know i've no, forgotten I,
1: yeah when mccann put it in that book i was like oh this was a
0: real thing you know Yeah, he went 80 percent deaf when he fought crossfire using a sonic arrow okay and then i'm just looking for references to his deafness and then uh yeah that's it that's the only reference yeah. i could find they really sort of just put that under the rug. He's driving
1: around in his sky cycle the whole time, which I love. Yeah, because it actually it actually is a very practical way to show how he can keep up with everybody else. Right, because it is one of those things in superhero comics where they all go somewhere, and you're like, it's going to be one guy who can't do that. God, know. yeah. So he's always got his sky cycle, and ever and they have extra sky cycles there, which is awesome. Like yeah. the thing needed one, so he
0: got one. Everyone um, gets a sky. I don't know why you wouldn't join the team. You get your own sky cycle. Right? That's better than a segue. It's gotta be. It's really interesting that this is sort of like the little brother team. You know? Like, they just... Yeah. No matter what they do successfully, they're always like, well, are we gonna be as good as the Avengers? Are they gonna respect us? And... And this is 100% why I liked
1: it better than the main book when I was a kid. (laughs) Because it's just so, like, bad news bears, underdogs, like, the left of center thing. Like, that's always been my favorite thing, even when I was little. And it's a
0: good mix of characters. Yeah. So let's talk about Wonder Man, because he is a... He's a major part of this book. He's really interesting. Yeah, I know he's one of those characters that sort of dropped out of circulation. He shows up every now and then for like a big Avengers event, but really uh-huh. doesn't really do much. He only showed up last time to sort of beat the pacifist. He kept saying, why are we fighting? And everyone was like, shut up. <laughs> These books are all about fighting. But here he's, he's very well-rounded. He's like the only one with like a viable career outside of being an Avenger. And so that makes him interesting. Because at one point, I remember, he gets like an audition for a movie or he gets like a part. So it's like, yeah, can I go to the shoot? And they're like, well, we have a mission. I liked, I liked how he got introduced to his agent
1: by Hercules.
0: <laughs> That's
1: right. That was a little quick throwaway something. And it, he's like, well, I want to make. And the Hercules introduced me to some of his friends in Hollywood. And there was like a, like a silhouetted shot of like, come with me, Wonder Man. And Hercules in his Hercules outfit. And I was like, of course he has contacts
0: in Hollywood. That's great. But you talked about how we, we, we know all there is to know about Wonder Man now, and it's true. Boy. He has a really interesting and complicated backstory, and you really do come out of it going, like, oh, right, he is incredibly powerful character.
1: Yeah, and he doesn't... Doesn't utilize it. It doesn't seem it. to help him. Yeah. What's funny is that he's got the... I always forget he can't fly, but he's got the belt jets. But then, <laughs> like, at a certain point in this book, he lost the belt jets. Right. Like, by the end, he doesn't have them
0: anymore. Yeah, he doesn't. But he still has the safari jacket. Didn't lose that.
1: Oh, yeah, and he. But he. It's funny because he went away. At first, he had the safari jacket, and then he had like his more regular superhero outfit. Outfit, and then he went back to the safari jacket again, which I thought was nice. <laughs> and, and, like, the, I think the thing that's hard about him is that I know his origin, and I have for what his brother is the Grim Reaper. Yeah, his racist brother. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was another great scene. Anyway, we'll, we'll get to that maybe. Uh, if, uh, you know what, though? If you read this book, you're going to find it and you'll be like, oh, wow. He had been a, uh, like a smart kid and he started a company yeah. and then he was doing really well. But then Stark came along and Stark did way better than him. So he stole money and embezzled and, and did uh, some other criminal stuff. Then his brother took the blame for it. His brother's a super villain, Grim Reaper. And then ostensibly he went to jail for it. But see, it's hard, actually, because it's very complicated. And then you find out in this book, the thing is that he actually did steal the money. His brother did. So he's got to live with that sort of guilt. Then at some point, he got really angry. Did he die first? No. His brother introduced him to Zemo to fill him with powers. And then he ostensibly died in the process and was brought back to life as a zombie by the chicken guy.
0: (laughs) Right, 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 right.
1: Whose name I can't remember right now. And then was then fought the Avengers, and so the first time the Avengers met him, which is early, is like Avengers six or eight or something like that, like right. way, 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 way back. And then I think he was killed again. Maybe he was killed then. He went into like a coma, or he went inert, or whatever. He went to fight the Avengers, but he turned on the evil yeah. folks, and then he died. And then they recognized him as a hero. And then he he comes back at some point.
0: I mean, that happened very early in the Avengers books. Yeah. He's he's a. Old school Avengers character, but he goes like inert for a long time and that's where he has this like sort of crippling fear of death is where he was in the void for a long time or however. Turns out he was never dead. What's interesting about him is like he's not even really human. He's just sort of ionic energy come to life.
1: I had a hard time grasping that as a kid and I think it's possible that that's why he's not around as much anymore because I think that people were like, I don't know what to do with this.
0: Yeah, I mean he's basically ionic energy in human shape. Oh, and then, and then they, okay,
1: so. His brainwaves. Hank Pym, right, Hank Pym built the Vision out of the old body of the original Human Torch, Jim Hammond. Right. And then he used Simon Williams' brainwaves to put a personality on the Vision. Yep. And then Hank Pym also built
0: Ultron. Did he build Ultron first or after the Vision? You can't ask me to put this in the timeline. Okay. This is the most complicated plotline ever.
1: So he also built Ultron. Now, Ultron has a grudge against Hank Pym, his father, who rejected him, basically. Yep. Yep. He also hates the Vision because that's the son that he accepted. And of course, then he also hates Simon Williams, Wonder Man, because he is the Vision. Now, the Vision and Wonder Man have the same brainwave patterns. And Ultra- Ultron, aren't you
0: loving this explanation? Yes, un- I am. Un- this he is can- like when Ron used to talk about the X Men.
1: Ultron has a device that says Simon Williams brainwave patterns on it (laughs) that he uses at one point. A dedicated device that's just for that, I guess. I was going to say this is my favorite part. I had a lot of favorite parts. But there's a big storyline where Ultron keeps calling Hank Pym. He's like, hey, dad.
0: That was so creepy. (laughs) Even as like a 40-something reader, I was like, I wish they would stop this because it's weird and creepy and I But it's unsettling to have this robot Hey Dad.
1: So in the middle of those calls, Pim's like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not gonna answer the phone. We're not having this conversation. The next time Ultron calls, he goes, Okay, hear me out. I've changed my mind. I want us to have a relationship. <laughs> and it's not a fake. No. Pim secretly go he won't tell any of the other Avengers about it. And all Pyms had rage issues the whole time. Yeah. just snapping at the turn of a the snap of a twig. yeah, then he goes and meets Ultron and they decide they are going to have a father's. they hug. <laughs> which is wonderful. yeah. Then it turns out that that was Ultron twelve, but then Ultron eleven is also still around, and he kills It's very complicated, and Ultron twelve sacrifices himself to save Pym. and then we're still left with an evil Ultron sidebar,
0: <laughs> okay.
1: They're trying to figure out what happened with Wonder Man and all the Avengers travel to Simon Williams' mother's house and the Grim Reaper's (laughs) mother's house. And she's so fucking thrilled to see them. Invites them in. In the middle of it, (laughs) the Vision stands up and is like, Mom? (laughs) And And Mrs. Wonder Man is like, you are also my son. And it just is like an emotional salve for the Vision who's like, I finally find my family. It is weird as shit. It's
0: so good. It's very weird. And also, just here's my question. Yeah. Who the fuck is Jim Hammond who's running around? Is Jim Hammond running around? Yes, he's in Invaders in, in right.
1: number one from two weeks ago. Well, no, he ends up, Jim Hammond ends up, like the Human Torch
0: ends up on this team during the Burn right, Years. Right, right, right. So how does that happen? I guess we need to get the next volume to find out. I guess so. It's so good. It's so, I mean, you forget that these, these books really leaned into the soap opera. Back yes. then like comic books are soap operas as much as you may want not want to hear that uh, but they really leaned into it at that time i mean it was it was complicated family histories it was evil twin brothers it was personality and swaps it was body swaps it, people back from the dead and yeah yeah i mean it, it, they really leaned into it and it worked it worked for you and you know people will say
1: oh chris claremont's x-men books were like all the books were like that yeah i just like those are the best ones this is uh, right but this is also pretty claremontian you yes. know like and I know that, like, what happens later in this is that Burn the 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 Vision and Scarlet Witch join the team, and that Master Pandemonium character—they have kids, I think—and it turns out that they're just like later in the series, they're constructs.
0: Right, and that, that ends up being a big deal throughout the years that they their yeah. kids were not real. And I mean, I think that was even wasn't it even in the Tom King's Vision book. I think they're still dealing with it to a certain yeah. extent. If you think about it. Claremont's and Burns X-Men yeah. was early 80s, and those were the most popular books in comics. So, of course, the other books are going to ape that style. Still, That still happens now when there's a popular book. Sure. And so, of course, the Avengers books are going to start becoming tonally like the X-Men in terms yeah. of everything as a, as a melodramatic soap opera. And it, it was fun. I mean – Tigra's trying to sleep with everybody because of her cat side and Mockingbird. But, but, okay, so there's we can we can move on. That's really interesting
1: because I think that what I caught here was these Marvel creators trying to be sort of relevant with gender stuff. So you had Greer Nelson, who was Tigra, and like she described herself as like a feminist, mm-hmm. which meant a different thing then, but sort of not different connotation.
0: And then she gets cat powers. I I just it. want to say I really didn't like that story. Not her storyline, but the storyline where yeah, they no, go I mean. into the cat world. Yep, I didn't either. That's what I was like. Okay, when is this going to be over? I did like that. It, it did let her character evolve a little. No, and a I little. like her. I just yeah, that no, part. I, did, I was too. like, oh god, not more cat people.
1: But she. I mean, let's. Like, she's she's a sexy like R. Crumb sort of. Oh, for drawing sure. Up cat lady yeah. in a teeny bikini you know and she something like if she had a tail it would be twitching and i was like oh <laughs> they, they said that a couple times i think and she's trying to sort of master the and like she's she's at odds
0: with herself and it's you know it's a metaphor there's a whole thing going and what's interesting is she was you know greer greer not greer garson that's, that's the actress greer, greer nelson was basically hellcat she wasn't called hellcat she was called the cat and she wore the, yes. co- the, co- the Hellcat costume before right. she became Tigra. Before
1: Patsy Walker was
0: And then girl. Patsy Walker got the costume and just called herself Hellcat. But so they, they would flash back often to her as – I kept thinking Hellcat, but as the cat who was, who was uh-huh. also Hellcat. So she's also been around forever. I mean she she's, – She's like Marvel's Starfire. It's kind of
1: close. She, she, you know, she came
0: around in 1972, which is only about, what, less than 10 years after Marvel – Yep, or about ten years after and Marvel. 10, came years. Back. ten years after Marvel, and, and eight years before this book. If that puts you into context. Right, so she's been around a lot for forever 12. too. Yep, she, yeah, she's she's the sex kitten. Excuse the pun. But Literally, she's, her feline side is struggling to control her human side. The feline side wants to stretch and relax and nap and have sex and fight when, she, when she's in heat and fight and. But yeah. then she's also dealing with the crippling insecurity for some reason that uh, was never really totally clear. But it was fine, and it was interesting. She's very different than the other yeah. characters, which is and so that's always more interesting. She liked Wonder Man, but the, she also liked Hank Pym, and this is the, you know that was the sort of the romantic a, triangle—a guy on, on the team. street in a convertible, random dude in the street. She was in heat, yeah. But that was the team romantic subplot. It was Hawkeye and Akimbo were married. And Tony Stark was in the background, and he was he was sort of weary of her. Tigra, yeah. And so then the romance, the, the main romance, was Tigra and Wonder Man. There's
1: one bit that I thought was really well written. I think is that Tigra left. She got upset or mad, or something. she took off. And Hawkeye really wa- like his. He really wanted this team to work, and he wanted them to stick together and be a team and be all of those things. It was like, like the camp cows were like, "Hey guys, come on, we can do this. Let's and have a barbecue." his role in this and he's like we did great you guys hang out by the pool you know like after they defeated the supervillain." anyway Good. he's with mockingbird like in a in a hallway or something like that and they're having a little romantic repartee as they do through the entire thing mm-hmm. and he says something like you're the only woman i could ever think of and then the next panel he looks down and he goes "Except," <laughs> and she goes you're thinking about tiger aren't you and He's like, <laughs> yeah and she flashes anger and he's like but not like that i'm worried about her and mockingbird's like all right let's go find her and I was just like, it was like, and then maybe, maybe was that when they had a fight? There was one part where Hawkeye and Maggie Bird had a fight, and they wouldn't talk to each other for like three pages.
0: Maybe, but it's just funny to think of Hawkeye as the like monogamist. Yeah, but because that's not his character now. His character now, the joke is he slept with everybody in the Marvel universe.
1: Yeah, but that's because. That's the same character because he's still not over Mockingbird leaving him. I don't remember why she left him or what the deal was with that. And I'm guessing at some point they didn't want her to just be a cipher for Hawkeye. Right. But I do remember them as like, oh, that was a good comic book romance. It was like, totally they loved each other. You know what? Do you know that she used to be a Shield agent? I do because she told me a lot. <laughs> and I was going to say yes, I do know. <laughs> She'd constantly be like, I had Shield training in this. I had Shield medic training. I was a Shield. I know, dude. Well, it's because every comic was somebody's first back then. I know. And there is something I love about that. Yeah. It's tiring
0: to read through, but most of the time you wouldn't read 100 or – Well, you would read 500 pages, pages in, a, in a couple of goes. But I also, and, I mean, yeah. there's one point where we we cross over with the Vision and Scarlet Witch book. And so we spent a lot of time with them sort of completely divorced from the West Coast Avengers storyline. And that was interesting because that was dealing a lot with analogs for racism because they're trying to buy a house. Nobody wants an android living. in. Where were,
1: in, were they? Patterson? Gardi- Somewhere in New Jersey. Somewhere in New, New Jersey.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there was you wouldn't expect to read a lot of real estate tension, but there was whether they were going to get the house or not because people didn't want them in their neighborhood. And I mean, that was part of what was weird about this collection was that a good part of that story was completely not related to what we were reading in the other books. But it was interesting to read that and yeah. to see the beginnings of their relationship, which again becomes very important later on for stories you're reading now,
1: still, yeah, yeah,
0: it's really interesting how some of these
1: themes are still the same. I mean, like things have changed or whatever, but some of them still ring, you know. They're in the background of, of stuff that they're still doing recently. Yeah. And I like that. But that's, you know, that long Marvel legacy. This stuff's 35 years old now, started 30, 35, 30, you know.
0: And what recently. I think I took away from this, the, one of the main thoughts was how interconnected it felt. Yeah, how interconnected the Marvel Universe as a whole felt and how the characters crossed over in a way that felt like there was one story. And I feel like that's why a lot of older fans get so bent out of shape when it doesn't yeah. feel that way anymore. In that, in the 80s, it felt like you were really entering a real world because for whatever reason, they did a, a better job of making it feel like it was one big story. And And there was tons and tons of editor's notes referring to other books or other comics. Tons! And, I was really shocked by how many there were yeah. one after another and then
1: not only that but how often they would re- not just refer to comics that are going on right now but referred to comics that happened years and years before right like there'd be yeah. like there wasn't it wasn't only referring to check out what's happening over in this other book with this character right now but it was somebody would refer to something that happened in the past and they you know they talk about a comic from 15 years prior right yes that's neat i really like that It really had a sense of the, not only interconnectedness, but the history
0: of everything as still being valid and active. Also, what I found amusing was they basically were like, straight up, you're reading a comic. Like, usually in an Avengers comic, this will happen, but this month, dot, 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 that's how the book would start. And it's like really breaking that illusionary fourth wall that you're not, you know. Yeah. And that happened quite a few times. I think this might have been the more irreverent book. I feel like yeah. You know the more the more relaxed. And I I could go back and maybe see the same notes in the regular Avengers book, but I don't remember reading those particular kind of notes. Uh-huh. You just feel like they were having a lot of fun with this one.
1: Creatively, like with any of the names involved, did you did you did anything stand out to you? I found myself really trying to study the Steve Engelhart writing because I know his name and I know yeah. how he's important and I was really like trying to find the spark of what, you know, he's revered for that for. And I think I saw it a little bit. I found
0: myself really more looking at the art. I did that because there was there was some where the art wasn't that great. Yes, even by the '80s standards. Yeah, and there was some where the art was really good, by any yeah. standard. This is also a time when, similar to when these books first created, whether these were books that were put out as a job quickly. Sometimes you had artistic greatness, and sometimes you didn't. Yeah, stylistically, I think one of the things, these pages seemed a lot more complicated than pages I would see today. They're cramming in four times as much yeah. information as. Not only that, but like, you know,
1: we, we're we used to seeing, you know, three and four panel pages now, yeah. you know, like more simplified grids. People went back to a sort of basic. These are all over the place. And like, they're these are jam packed pages. And I'm guessing they were probably done Marvel style. Yeah, they were basically don't know. plot for each page, you know, or not even per page, maybe, but. The artist has to cram all that in, and I thought just in general, there's a really, really good balance of all of these characters and plot lines and personalities yes. weaving in and out. And I, I was really impressed by that, and, and its consistency. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of like, why are they acting like that now? They weren't acting like that before. It was pretty like they had the characters down, and they went with that.
0: Yeah, I like the Al Milgram stuff a lot with the Justice really Inks. And they had a lot
1: of dynamic action. I also, just I love those Senate the ink lines because it's the same stuff that was on kirby he did yeah. kirby dots at one point and i was like oh that's it
0: yeah there's a there's a big sequence of that i'm trying to find where there was an issue that looked nothing like the other issues was it kyle baker yes yeah kyle baker did early a kyle issue. baker and it was unlike everything else in the book which must be really interesting i was interesting like, back who's drawing
1: this and i went back and i was like kyle baker no shit I was really surprised by that. So that, that actually, the fact that I knew who he was made it more interesting because I think it was just a name I didn't recognize. Like, why'd they do this? It was almost like it had
0: like an indie bend to it. You yeah. Know, it almost looked like an indie book. Like I'm, an early I'm looking at it now. It's actually the fucking cat person issue, issue six of The right. West Coast Avengers. It looked like an early Sandman issue is what it looked like. Yeah, I was like, whoa, everyone looks really different. Suddenly Mockingbird had short hair. Uh-huh. It just the faces look unlike every other it just had a completely different look and feel to it which was really interesting to, to see in context also a quick note that in the first issue of this they're like oh hawkeye's got a new costume because he must have had the like small eyed you know original hawkeye costume up until this point all oh, right but this is like his classic correct the correct the, the correct costume so he's not wearing a fucking t-shirt and jeans like there was interesting like perspective stuff you know there's i'm looking at a page now where it's that page with ultron hugging pin that, that that you love uh. so much and at the bottom of it there's a great perspective of like coming out and up at the characters who's opening a box and i mean there's there's some really interesting work here through the eyes of ultron uh-huh. what he's seeing was used a lot <laughs> so yep. wonder man fighting arnold schwarzenegger on the film set
1: you know was really nice art was the first issue in the book it was an Iron Man annual
0: mm-hmm.
1: where they introduced this Goliath, I guess, like the third, by Luke McDonald, whose name I've never heard. Mm-hmm. But these pages were really fun, too.
0: And, you know, the Wonder Man issue with the awesome Bill Sakevich cover, David yep. Michelini, Cary Gamble, Vince Coletta, those are all big names. And yeah. I, I thought it looked really good. Cary Gamble's really strong and the, the inks were strong. I, mean, was, I was back and really forth good. on that issue, like it was kind of dumb mm-hmm. but also kind of great. <laughs> once he goes off again, he's the only, he's the only one concerned about a job. He goes on and gets a job as private security at, at like a corporation in Nassau county and which doesn't make this must have been before Avengers because he's he's getting he's working in Long Island, yeah. You know, the boss gets sucked into another dimension and Wonder Man has to deal with it. No, because he's still on the team. They're like, they fire him at the end because he can't give his full commitment to the to the company. He's also an Avenger. So I don't know when this takes place or why. He was,
1: no, was reserve. Oh, that's right. He was on reserve status. I think that's because he left. Because he went on the Carson show. Which was great. <laughs> to say that, you know, I actually did do this thing. And he wasn't sure what would happen, but he had to do the right thing. Uh, you know what? Now that I'm looking through these pages again, I've got, I think I'm. I'm going back. That this was a pretty rad issue. The art was great. The art is,
0: that might be the best, like sustained art in the whole book. Yeah, when all the little, like minuscule
1: fighters come through <laughs> the portal, and there's a there's a good sequence with. What's funny is I didn't know that Scott Lang went back this far.
0: Yes, he's been around for a long time, and yeah. so he shows up as Ant-Man. And interesting that they were able to use Johnny Carson, but Arnold Schwarzenegger had a fake name. Yeah, He was like yep. Schwarzenberger or something, and who knows why those decisions are made legally. But yeah, you, you really got a nice overview of the Avengers people in this time period. You know what? It's funny because this wasn't sort of just reading one
1: series. This was like spending a year or two in Marvel of old. Yes, yes. And just across several books, even though we had these characters sort of going through – but it was really like a nice cross-section it's of It's a nice sort
0: of contextual look at Marvel, a, a time and yep. place, because as we said, it goes across multiple books as they're relevant to the overall West Coast Avengers story. And I just, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that the book ends with a Marvel Age issue. At the time, Marvel Age was was like a, almost Marvel's own magazine that they put out. Mm-hmm. They would interview the creators and they would show you behind, uh, you know, a special art and they would do like Marvel uh, handbook style entries on the characters. So like, this was like wow. your... Your Marvel thing, but the best part of that was the the cutaways. So we got Cockeye's Quiver cutaway and and his, his uh Sky Cycle cutaway and the Mockingbird's battle staves cutaways and just really good. This was this is a really good collection. If you're really if this is an area you're into, I mean there's tons of good stuff in this.
1: I'm curious, like if you weren't alive during this, if you'd be able to get the same thing out of it. Yeah. I do think you'd get something out of it. You know what I mean? You'd get I don't know. If I read comics from the 70s, I wasn't around for them, but I could find a way to appreciate it, I think. Yeah. And then and then the afterward by Ralph Macchio, who, who basically says, I'm certain you'll be rereading this volume many times until it becomes dog-eared and worn. Take it from me. You'll find something new each time you do. You know what, Ralph? I'm not
0: sure that that's true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, wa- I want to agree with you. I do. But, but here's the
0: question. Would you read the second volume? I think yes. It's but, not out yet. You might have to remind me, and you might have to force me for another show. <laughs> okay, I'm, I kind of didn't make. I mean, you know, the joke was we'll get the reading done in time for the show, which was right up to the wire. But oh yeah, yeah, this was tough. I was kind of bummed in a way. Okay, like uh, I could, I could keep reading. Yeah, we've said that about a lot of them, and then we have a lot of reading. Well, sure, I still I'm saying read the the next, uh, next ceremony. If I lived the life in which I didn't have to read these things all the time, and I, yeah. I could more leisurely pick and choose. Like, yeah, because I enjoyed being in the Marvel Universe of, ni- of the 1980s with these characters. Yeah, it's true. In a deep dive kind of way. This wasn't just six <laughs> issues, this was a
1: lot of issues. Yes, it was. Yeah, you really got to live in there for a bit. And I mean, you know, we talk about comics so much and we see so much sameness that this was, uh, I mean, it was refreshing in a way. Yeah. I think it's the same thing that we, we. I think that's the same feeling that we had when we were reading uh, the Superman. Superman, Electric Superman. That was you know the same thing ten years later, basically. Right,
0: but yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a fan of the West Coast Avengers, if you're a Hawkeye fan, if you're a Wonder Man fan, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in here. If- there's wonderful Ben Grimm in this, by the way, <laughs> where he's quit everything, which is the same thing
1: that Hank Pym did. Uh, he's quit everything to be a professional wrestler, or wrestler, as he says,
0: because Human Torch stole Alicia. From him, yeah, which is funny because they just got married. Hawkeye's like, "Hey, she Hulk, she joined. FF took your place. Why don't you join? Avengers take our place?" He's like, "I don't want to do that. Stop asking and me." Burn was writing the Fantastic Four at that time, yeah. Ragnarok. Yeah, I remember reading all those. We should read that, by the way. <laughs> There's a
1: lot. There's a lot of good stuff. Stu Byrne, FF.
0: So yeah. So do you have any final thoughts on? This? I really enjoyed reading this. I had a ton of fun reading it. I really like. I know I'd read this
1: stuff since I was a kid you know, it it gave me a context that I, you know, sort of understood, but solidified that I can sort of draw a line between comics then and now, which I like. Mm -hmm. It was really fun. It didn't make me think, uh, wow, I have I've been liking Hawkeye all this time for the wrong reasons. It didn't. I was like, nope, that's what I wanted. That's the Hawkeye that, that should have been. Yep. And it is now. And I'm, and I'm happy about that. And And I, and I stand by the fact that the Hawkeye now is not who he should be.
0: No. Um, he was very close in the Old Man Hawkeye. Yes, and I think that was clear. And I think if we went and reread we the Thunderbolt stuff now, we would be like, oh, I recognize this guy. Well, I mean, it's anything prior to Hawkeye, you know? Right. I think maybe that's a conscious choice on the part of the writer of Old Man Hawkeye, I forgot his name, Ethan Sachs. Yep, that's right. Because he did play up the deafness, which was an element of Hawkeye prior to that. So maybe he was consciously sort of returning to the classic Hawkeye in that book. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have a little bit of trouble doing the ratings on this, I think. Ratings. Because you've got a 500-page book. You've got a dozen creators. You have a bunch of different storylines and different even different series. It's not like there's a cohesive whole here. There's some things that I didn't like and didn't work. There's some things I loved Mm -hmm. that that worked quite a bit. There was a lot of it. It was just sort of in the middle and, and fun to read. So this may sound low, but I'm going to go four out of five. Oh, I think that sounds high. Oh, interesting. I I mean I'm going on
1: enjoyment. Yeah, I was gonna say that's two things. You can you can rate it objectively as a piece of comic book art, you know, and it ain't it ain't Alan Moore. Yeah. But on an enjoyment level, for a comic book reader of our history, of our tastes, of our of our age, Mm -hmm. it's a four, four and a half. Like it's
0: I'm gonna go four point two five, because I really did enjoy reading it. There you go. So now I know you and I have talked about what the next one's going to be. I'm not willing to declare that here. Okay. We haven't solidified it, so we're not going to declare no. it. But it'll be in 2 months. Yeah, it'll be and in uh, what month it is week this? Before that. Is this January. It is still it'll be in March. Likely. Yep. In March you'll get the next book explode. It'll be another volume. We'll we'll try to let you know beforehand so you can read along.
1: I will tell you like I I'd be happy to hear your your suggestions for stuff because you never know when you could spark a chord. If you you
0: have an idea about what you might want us to to cover, feel free to let us know. We are not guaranteeing we will because we have have a couple of ideas already in the pipeline and there's only six of these shows a year. But yeah, let us know at ifanboy.com or at contact.ifanboy.com. And of course, check out our weekly show, The Pick of the Week show, which Josh and I review the weekly books. And also, the sister show of this show, the show also unlocked by the patrons, is the Talkspload interview show that Josh does with creators. Brian Edward Hill was the last one, and you'll have a new one in February. Yep. Which Josh is going to tell you now, so he has to do it. Nope. I mean, I am, but (laughs) I'm not telling you. That's my rule. It's me. He's interviewing me. I could do that. Listen, I'm your backup. If it all goes wrong... (laughs) People would love that. I'll do it it in character. Tell me about your early days. (laughs) No. All right, so there you go. There's your book explode. It's I've already closed the app. What's the goddamn title of this book? Avengers West Coast Epic Collection: How the West Was Won. Is that it? Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. So if you have thoughts on it, or if you want to reminisce about your old days, or if you remember reading it and having creator reactions, uh, let us know at fanboy.com. There'll be a post for the show. And until March, when we have the next book explode, I'm Sport. You got it, Tall Socks. <laughs> See you next time.